Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Makers of Minnesota. This is episode 78. My name is Stephanie Hansen, and I am pleased to be with you helping bring stories of local makers and, in this case today, people that support local makers to town. Um, we are on Facebook at Makers of MN. We are on Twitter, and we are also on Instagram. And if you've missed any of the episodes, there, like I said, there are 78. Go back and listen. There's a lot of great content there from entrepreneurs. Today we have kind of a unique uh, a store that features local craft and libations that are all local. So you've got Minnesota Craft Beer, Minnesota Craft Wine, Minnesota Craft Spirits. It's Michelle uh, Ross and Kevin Ross, and the store just opened. It's called Ambibulous. Who the heck named the store? <laughs> uh, well, I'll let my wife take that one because she named it. Michelle, what is an ambibulous? Ambibulous is a person who enjoys all types of alcoholic beverages. So you, instead of being like a onophile, you're an ambibulous. Yes, exactly. And so we we actually found the term online. We were kind of we were thinking about the store, and we started googling around like prohibition terms. So it's actually a term that was made up during prohibition. Uh, to represent somebody who who enjoys alcoholic, not just one alcoholic beverage, but any type of, of drink with alcohol in it. Is it enjoy or tips over? It could be either one, <laughs> if that's your own preference. <laughs> so you guys have a store that you just opened at 949 East Hennepin in Minneapolis. And I'm really intrigued by the idea that, so liquor is a very competitive industry. There are the total wines of the world. Um, we have a lot of great local tap rooms. We have local distilleries. You decided to open a store and only sell things that were made in Minnesota. Can you tell me why you went down that road? Sure. Uh, we have another business called uh, the Hoppy Trolley. It's a craft brewery tour. Uh, we go to breweries around the Minneapolis and basically the downtown area. I've been doing that for about three years. Is it a bus tour? or It is a bus tour. Okay. Uh, we actually are making a new bus right now that I'm not making one. We're repairing and restoring an older bus right now. It looks more like a trolley. But it uh, was basically a bus tour. And we kind of wanted to get a brick-and-mortar store to go along with it. And we thought a small liquor store that only sells Minnesota-made product would be a good match. We could start the tours there and end the tours there. And once people would get it exposed to the local craft scene, they can try out even more. This helps me understand a lot, and it's brilliant. That is true. It is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because when I was like, wow, why would they, to be honest, my thought was, why would they limit themselves to only these brands? And particularly in a situation where people could seek them out on their own if they wanted to drive around and do all the work, so that you are sort of starting off and creating a affinity for these products and helping people understand them and taking them to where the stories are created is amazing. Yeah, and I mean, we almost, we sort of think of it almost as like a um, 
like a, a, a tourism center for yes. like Minnesota maker for, of, of alcoholic beverages. And when we were doing the tours, just talking to the different breweries and then even just, you know, going to liquor stores ourselves, there was a lot of times where we couldn't find what we were looking for or it would take us a long time or it'd be warm on the shelf. And we just, um, you know, through that really thought that having a store that was just dedicated to um, Minnesota liquor would be just a really nice way to, to kind of pay tribute to all of those makers and, um, and you know, make it easier for us to shop for the things that we Yeah, like. that you like. And it's Hoppy Trail is the name of the... No, that's wrong. It's Hoppy Trolley. <laughs> Hoppy Trolley. Okay, I knew I was getting that wrong. Yes, you were. I had to get up at 4 a.m. this morning, so I'm a little... Well, I got up at 3.30, so... No, I'm did you really? No. no. Well, I did. I think I did get up at 3.30 briefly to take care of the twins, but then... Do you I'm have twins to on top of just having opened a store? Yeah, we're insane. <laughs> we have four-year-old twins and two businesses. Okay. Wow. So, so there's that. Um, congratulations on the store. How did you find your location? Being in Northeast, I would assume, was quite a windfall. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've been thinking about the concept for about a year and then kind of actively looking for a spot for about six months. And we don't really like to leave Northeast, so we were very excited that we were able to find something in, in North. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> Do you live in Northeast, we too? Do. Yeah. We do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we've been, you know, we were looking at lots of different locations, and uh, we literally were driving by this spot when it became open again for lease, and, and it just all sort of fell into place really quickly. What was your experience before starting the Hoppy Trolley? Like, what were you doing? I was, well, Michelle was a, I guess, yeah, so I mean, you should I've, explain your background. I can't really. Well, your background's more applicable. So Kevin's been a tour guide in the in the city for over ten years. So it was a, a really good fit for for his experience. And my background is more like environmental planning and environmental um, sustainability. Yeah. Sort of and one day we were driving home together, and I was complaining about making money for everybody else. And Michelle said we should start our own tour company. And I said I was tired, so I said, "Fine, what? Well, there's a lot of breweries. Let's do a brewery tour." I said, fine, let's do it. Forgetting who my wife was for a second, and two weeks later, we had a bus. <laughs> and four weeks after that, we had our first tour. So, And you were doing tours? just I, I was working for Segway Tours. Uh, I worked for a company called Taste Twin Cities. Yeah. I uh, With Taste Twin Cities, I partnered with the Pedal Pub. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of experience designing tours, giving them, training people. So it was just an easy transition for me. I've never met anyone that, like, was a professional tour guide before, which I would say that you qualify as. I think so. So did you fall into that, or how does Very that become so. the business that you wanted to be in? Uh, we had just moved back from California. That's where my wife, Michelle, is from Northern California, a town called Petaluma. And we'd just gotten back, and I needed a job. And I believe it was on Craigslist, I uh, saw an ad for... Segway tour guides. And I said to myself, that is just weird enough for me to enjoy. <laughs> so that's how it all started. And I basically learned everything about being a tour guide since then. I love it. Um, do you know how many people you guys tour through your other business? Through the Hoppy Trolley? Uh, we average anywhere from, it can be anywhere from like 20 to 60 people a weekend. Okay, that's or, amazing. Or that's, it just depends on the, the time of year and how busy we are. You know what I love? I love that the laws about breweries got changed and the cascading effect it has had 
and how many businesses it has spawned. So we heard that there's a like a hundred applications for new breweries in Minnesota this year, and what fifty applications for new yeah. distilleries. Yeah, that's crazy. Because aren't there already like 140 breweries? Uh, 175, I believe, statewide. Yeah, it's getting close. To be and do we know what the distillery number is? There's about 45, and Around then there's there. a, over 60 wineries as well. And let's just talk about that for a second, because I'm assuming you carry local wines. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, Cannon River Valley has been on the on this program, and we've talked to other wineries on Weekly Dish. It's a great wine. They're very. Um, it's sort of upsetting for these local winemakers that we have this great beer culture, we've developed this distilling culture, and here are these people that are growing these amazing grapes. The horticulture of grape growing has really advanced, and yet they can't get a local movement going in any significant way for people to drink local wine. Why do you think that is? I think it's simply image. Uh, beer, spirits... You can think of that as being done indoors, uh, but when you think of wine, you think of growing the grapes, uh, you think of fields like you see in California. People just don't know that Minnesota for the past over 20 years has been working with the University of Minnesota to develop grapes that can survive the winter and make some really solid wine. So I think it's just a matter of uh, exposing people to what the wineries have to offer, and hopefully our store can be a, a big help in doing just that. Are there um, local wineries, and I? this is maybe a loaded question because you're going to be like, is it like saying you like one child and not the other child? But I'm I curious. definitely like one of my children better no. than the other. <laughs> my parents did too. They just never told us until we were older. Fight for my love, kids. Fight for oh, my love. Oh, I love this about you. Kevin, you might also be a comedian in your other life. Have you ever done stand-up? You're very funny. Uh, a couple times, yeah. Okay. Um, is there a, a local wine that you would love to have people come into your store and ask for? Well, I mean, I so I you're more the wine grew up than in, I am. in west on the west coast and in wine country. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I thought I was going to be a little bit biased and not enjoy the Minnesota. I'm exactly the same as most people in Minnesota. I haven't really experienced too much in Minnesota wine, um, and. These wineries have come in and just totally blown our minds. Like they're um, Cannon River is amazing. Yeah. Um, they just the 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 way they work with the Minnesota grapes to really um, give some amazing flavor profiles. Um, they just do a nice variety of of wines that really um, can. I mean, I don't want to say they mimic some West Coast wines, but they really. Um, are have a, a similar profile. Yeah, yeah, very similar profiles, and they're a nice introduction. For, for people who are more familiar with West Coast wines to, um, or even European wines to then um, kind of maybe make more of a transition to some of the more uh, Minnesota traditional, or not traditional, but there's no real traditional, but just that the more earthy yeah. uh, Minnesota wines. But St. Croix Vineyards also, they mm-hmm. do great, a great job. Um, those probably are the two oldest wineries that might be part of why they do such a nice job of, of kind of balancing that out. Um Burr Vineyards is another one. They're up, up pretty far north, um, and we're the only store in the Twin Cities that actually carries them, so that's kind of fun. Um, feisty, are they? That's Cannon River. That's Cannon River. Yeah, those feisty, feisty red, Very popular, pink, yeah. Yeah, people white. really like those. Yeah. yeah. And I had a lady uh, come in the store on Sunday, and she said, do you have Barefoot? I said, no, we're only Minnesota Wines. And she said, thank you, and she was ready to leave. But I said to her, well, I can find you something you'll enjoy just as much as that. And within five minutes, I found her a bottle. She liked it, and she bought it and left. 
Oh, that is such a weird thing that someone would be like, oh, okay, you don't have barefoot wines. I need to leave. Yeah, well, I think that's an instinct for people. They come into a liquor store, and they're looking for one specific thing, and if they don't have it, they leave. And our liquor stores, we want it to be a place where you come in, you don't even know what you want. Yeah. You're going you're to discover something new, hopefully, that you love. And um, give them a good experience so that they come back and they – because really – it's all about exploring your palate, right? And yeah. people are embarrassed. They like we've talked a lot about when you go to a bar and you order like a new drink or maybe you order brandy because you're not a brandy drinker but you want to try it and it's getting kind of trendy and then you hate it. You know, can you give that drink back? Can you work with the bartender to create a flow, flavor profile that you like because otherwise bartenders are just going to be making gin and tonics and old fashions all day because that's the drinks that people know. And yeah, we had a lady come in uh, not long ago, and she didn't know much about local craft beer. And we guided her through some of the selections, kind of find out what she liked. And afterwards, she thanked us because we didn't make her feel, in her words, stupid. Yeah. And I said, well, yeah, I can understand how you might feel that way going to some places, but our goal is the exact opposite of that. And it can be like um, when you have to get your car fixed. And they're like, oh, and you need a new oil filter. And you're like, I don't need a new oil filter. I know I don't need a new oil <coughs> filter, but they're telling you you do. And so then you second guess yourself. And it's all very complicated. Is it hard to get into your store? Like, do you have like a plethora of products? And is. Well, I mean, we, we tried to have a diversity of, of bringing as many makers as we could. And yep. It is a very small space. So it's it's only about a thousand square feet, including the cooler space. Um, so. You know, we're still kind of growing and figuring things out. We, we're, you know, going to kind of keep changing things up, keep the inventory kind of moving. Um, but we really, you know, really try and emphasize that sort of hands-on experience for people so that they come in and um, and can can get a lot of guided personal attention. And Can you um, buy singles and, yeah. like, make a six-pack of single things? Yes. We highly encourage people to, to make single – to mix and match their singles. We do a pretty low markup on our singles to, again, encourage people – um, and we're working on a couple of promotions to encourage singles even more. Because, I mean, it, with the same thing with um, the beer, we've had people come in and say, well, I want Miller or I want um, even a Minnesota wine that, or excuse me, a Minnesota beer that we don't maybe don't have yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're always able to help them find something that they're going to like. The hoppy beers were really new on the scene for the Minnesota folks when they first really came out in full force. Yeah. And it was a very hoppy experience are you seeing other trends now that that is sort of waning right now the big trend i'd have to say are citrus ipas Mm -hmm. uh but i'm seeing a little bit of a turn towards sours and there's a lot of sours there are a lot of sours cream ales are making sort of a india pale ales i've noticed more and uh Pilsners, actually. Um, the, the people are doing some fun things. The, with the Pilsner Pilsner. from Uda Pils, the Pilsner uh, from... Honest has that coffee lager that's, you know, it's yeah. a, um, a lighter beer, but it has like a coffee flavor to it. Yum. And that's the fun thing about these smaller breweries. They can just play with their recipes so much and find new and exciting ways of presenting a traditional beer. Uh, it's It's great to just go out and try different things. I think that I think with the hoppiness too, they yeah, they seem to be able to like balance them a lot more. Like it, I think when it first started, it was like so hop heavy that it was like you really had to 
really enjoy hops and they were really bitter. And now they're a lot more nuanced. And um, we have people come into the store who say they don't like hoppy beers. And we're like, well, you might like this one because it's maybe it's a different type of hop or it's a little bit more. Or fresh hops is more trendy. Yes. Yeah, we have a co- who was doing I forget who's doing that. Uh 56 was uh using wet hops. wet hops. Wet hopping is just using hops that are literally just picked and not processed at all and just put into the beer. Um in thinking about the spirit world, that so much of these local spirits if you taste them or if you've had a cocktail with them, it makes the experience better, but then it's hard to create these cocktails at home. Are you considering doing a lot of sampling or tasting or education type pieces as a way to help people understand how to use the products? Basically, uh, we are kind of new still, so we're doing some sampling, but we're actually scheduling out right now uh, to do a sampling almost every day from one of the breweries, wineries, or distilleries. Uh, So hopefully within the next month, we'll have... Some company from somewhere in the store. <laughs> some damn person will come. <laughs> a sampling. Because right now we're doing it on our own at the front desk, which is fine. But I think it's always nice when you have the actual makers there or people from the company to represent and explain their product in a little more depth. Yeah. And to show how to make drink. I mean, some of the Tattersall spirits are wonderful. The grapefruit crema and there's a Leavenwell's cherry um, liqueur, but if you don't know what to do with them, it's like they just sit in your liquor cabinet. And we had, uh, at our grand opening, we had Twin Spirits Distillery, and they were actually mixing tiny, tiny little cocktails with fruit and everything. So it was something like that. So it it is nice to have that to sort of see how it all sort of comes together with different products. And we're hoping to do some, like, you know, some sort of future phase of, like, cocktails of the month where we can... Um, or at least ingredients of the month, and then maybe provide different cocktails on a weekly basis. So, because yeah, you don't want to have this, you know, fifty dollar bottle of specialty liqueur that you don't know how to mix. There was a, a restaurant in town called Tongue and Cheek, and it was in St. Paul, and they did something that I've only seen once, and I wish people would do more of it, but I know why they don't. And they did cocktail flights. So instead of a beer for beer flight, you got like a two ounce cocktail of different cocktails that they made. And it was labor heavy because you have to mix all of these little teeny tiny cocktails. But it was just fabulous as the consumer because you could get four or five of these little cocktails, which was the equivalent of probably two drinks. And you could decide if you liked them. And if you didn't like them, it was no big loss. It was just like, oh, I didn't really like that one. And you moved on to the next one. I wish more people would do that. Well, our oldest son, Jeff, he's uh, the head bartender at Kieran's Irish Pub, and I'm sure it was a great experience for the consumer, but I can guarantee you he would have hated that idea. (laughs) It's terrible, and that's why I think more people don't do it. Although, I mean, they do a really good job of, I mean, I think, I would think in that situation they would have a lot of things sort of pre-mixed or kind of Well, you'd think if that was your thing that you could set it up so that you could do it effectively. Yeah. Because a lot of these places that do all these craft cocktails, that's a giant pain in the ass waiting for your drink, too, for five minutes while someone's whispering vespers over the top of it, you know? Um, I just, I think people would be more inclined to try stuff if the commitment level was a little bit lower. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely, we like Kevin said, we, we kind of, um, we do sample things a lot. Like, so we will open things up and, and we have a, a lot of stuff behind the counter. So we're, we're always, because you do want to kind of know what you're getting. And, right. Um, and then we have some, some mixers that go with that. Um, we have some bitters and some tonic syrup. and Yeah, there's quite a few tonic syrups coming out too. And like the latest, I had a strawberry rose tonic. Sounds really good. It was really good. It was when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is just a gimmick," you know. But it, it really was quite good. It was pretty complex, actually, for a tonic. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more of a straight Scotch guy, so I don't know about the strawberry. It's I, well, but I mean, I like how like so like for example, right now we have um, two different lavender beers in. We have a, the the um, LSD from Indeed, and then Broken Clock has a lavender IPA. And, one is like super floral, and you can really taste the lavender. Yep. And then the other one is you bear. I mean, it's just more of like a, a, a background. So it's kind of interesting that you know, even if you have something that sounds like you might, it might not have. You know, you may or may not. It may not may not appeal to you that there there's these different this kind of uh, gradient of how much of it's in there. We're talking to Michelle and Kevin Ross from Ambibulous. What is your um, go to restaurant right now when you get away from your four year old twins? <laughs> I'd have to say probably uh, a little neighborhood uh, restaurant in Northeast called Chimborazo. Uh It's an Ecuadorian restaurant. Uh, the Chalaflan is probably my favorite thing there. It's a bed of uh, Ecuadorian rice. It's spiced rice with vegetables, and it has pork, shrimp, and chicken on top, and it's just Damn, amazing. Just yeah, I know. That place is really good. Oh, it's... How about for you, Michelle? Well, I we've been also been going to the Draft Horse quite a bit. They do some nice cocktails, uh-huh. too. Um, and the Anchor Fish and Chips can't go wrong. Yeah, no, you really can't. Their <laughs> hamburger is good at Anchor oh, Chips. Oh, my gosh, I always like so to good. mention that. I mean, always people think fish and chips, because their fish and chips are awesome, obviously, but their their burgers are for Phenomenal. real. I think yeah. they're really great, too. It's one of the more underrated burgers in town. And soon they'll be doing their, their lamb burger. Oh, for Easter. Yeah, for Easter. And if you haven't had that... That's oh, I haven't, and I love I lamb. That's so they, good they to get, know. They get the lamb, like, fresh from a local farm, like... Days fresh, and then they do a mint chutney on top. Oh, yum, garnish. that sounds delicious. Just <laughs> so delicious. All right. Um, are there um, anybody that you, when you talk about, like, marketing, how are you planning to market the store? And I, it is a complicated arena that you're in with the price becomes an issue and location becomes an issue. What do you want people to know about you when you're marketing the store? Well, I'm, I mean, I, I think the so our name sounds pretentious, I guess, a little <laughs> bit. But you know, ultimately, we're not. You know, we're we're just giant dorks, and we just really love, um, <laughs> you know, the beer and and the the make all these amazing makers who are also giant dorks. And um, <laughs> it is kind of a giant dork fest if you really get to know people. Yeah. Oh my god! So I mean. Who else can be alien in this conversation? No, I think they would all, they're all self-proclaimed dorks. I mean, a lot of them are like, you know, home brewers and engineers, and um, they all have had former, you know, lives as doing something else. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, marketing, like the actual, we've been just doing mostly a lot of Facebook, and I mean, that's really where- Do you do Facebook ads? Do you pay for them? We do. We do do a little bit of ads. Do you feel that that's been successful for you? You know, when we do, like, the little cheap, like, post booths, uh-huh. those seem to be good. Um, I accidentally did a bigger campaign the other day, by, and I didn't realize I did it. I don't think that was very good. It wasn't very good. I, um... We rely so much on word of mouth. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, we've been, we've been very lucky because the community that we've moved into has been incredibly supportive. Yeah, the neighborhood has been amazing. We have, like, tons of regulars already from the All neighborhood. All right. That's is, great. That's what you want. Yeah. So we just, so you know, great. start with those regulars who live in the neighborhood, and I think the rest will, will come. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being on today and talking about the store and talking about Hoppy Trolley. Thank you. I didn't even know that that existed, so that's pretty cool. We'll have to that's have you. HoppyTrolley.com. <laughs> Do you lead all the tours too, Kevin? Uh, I do. Yes. Yeah, do you do St. Have... Paul tours as well? We'll do St. Paul breweries, uh, usually for a private tour, um, but they're not on our regular schedule right now. Yeah, I would. I would give Kevin a little shout out. So because his background is a tour guide and mm-hmm. not just the beer, it's not. They're more of a um, like a city bus tour versus like a get drunk tour. Yes. So it's really we're about not a party bus. We're not a party bus. You know, it's a lot of history, a lot about the neighborhoods. We do a behind-the-scenes uh, facility tour at 56 Brewing to start off the tour. So it's really about, like, the, how do you make beer and really enjoy and, like, learning about how to sample beer and um, really not just, you know, get drunk and drive around in the bus. That sounds a lot better. Yes. I'm <laughs> not a rolling puke machine. No. <laughs> sounds a lot more fun, actually. Yeah. Um, generally, do people just come as couples or do people groups rent? Oh, it's different. Sometimes it's just couples. You know, it could be parties. It could be work-related things. Yeah, so we have a it, lot of work groups. We're trying people to in town for a few days. It kind of runs the gamut. Yeah, we're really trying to get more just the public tour, like the less of the private group tours. And yeah, just, because it really is more of that city, you know, history tour. Um, the public tours appreciate that usually a little bit more than the, yeah. the private tours. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here today, you guys. It was super fun to talk Thank to you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for having us.